What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast. Yes, you heard that correctly. It's the first iteration of the Ethos Clippers podcast. After that transition, Brandon Marcus here. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are. It is a Thursday evening. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had one of these podcasts. Personal things have gotten in the way and Frankly, the Clippers have had so many damn games that trying to get a podcast in and making it timely has been pretty much impossible. But we have a couple of days here now between games. Clippers played last night and then play again on Saturday. So perfect time to bring in a guest as we're going to bring in Law Murray from The Athletic in just a second. But listeners, please take a moment to follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. And you also got to follow this man on Twitter. Law Murray at Law Murray, the N-U on Twitter. You can read him at The Athletic. His most recent article breaks down The Clippers don't have what the Jazz have, but they know that's not important right now. And also, one of the better features you'll read, how DJ Dents found his path as a Clippers MC. If you go to Clippers games, you see DJ Dents, but you don't know much about him. Law went deep there as he was able to get in and know DJ Dents. So a cool feature there by Law. Law, what's up, man? Man, I'm I'm, I'm not going front while you're recording this. They got the Chargers Chiefs game. <laughs> this has been hilarious. These dudes have they they failed to get three fourth down conversions. They finally get fourth down conversion just to fumble it on the goal line two plays later. So um that's football. That's a that's one LAC team. Uh the other LAC team is actually not having nearly as uh I don't know how you would consider this season. This isn't just is happening right now. And I think Wednesday's night's game in, in Utah was a pretty good example of a team really just kind of passing the time until until we can really uh, dive into more significant events. I think it's funny that you're watching the Chargers as we're talking about the Clippers because it's the, basically the stepchild in Los Angeles, both teams. You, of course, have the Rams as the main team in L.A., and then you have the Lakers, the main team in L.A., and hilarious things just keep happening to both franchises. I mean, the Chargers just seem to be finding a way to charger every single season, every single game, and the Clippers, of course, similar. Um, Let's start with last night, and you mentioned that the Clippers are trying to pass the time, and that's what you spoke about in your article. Of course, injuries have been plaguing this team. You've got Nicholas Batum, who's been out because of COVID protocols. Kawhi, of course, is out. When you look at the team and where they are now, is it even fair to judge them at this point? Or is it just a matter of playing the season out, hoping Kawhi comes back? If he doesn't come back, you're not going to win the title. If he does come back, you have a chance at it. Man, I'm all about judging teams. Uh, This ain't. This, these ain't my friendships or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm, it's not somebody calling me on the phone and be like, hey, bro, I got something to tell you. Nah, I won't judge people who you hit me up and you got to confide in me. I'm going to judge everybody right now. You know, I'm not here to be like, oh, you know, take it easy. It's like, nah, it's the regular season. Mm-hmm. Guys are professionals out there trying to do what they do. You know, uh, guys have earned contracts to be in this position and they got to come through. So 
Um, we understand what the context is. The context of the Clippers is this. Last season, they showed a breakthrough. Uh, they a, a lot of guys uh, got monkeys off their back, uh, which it's hard to do that for a team that doesn't win a championship um, and is not a young up-and-coming team. Uh, but the Clippers managed to do that. I think people have a different or at least elevated level of respect for the Clippers after their last postseason run than, uh, you know, pretty much every year of their franchise postseason history before. So that's the foundation that they've set. And the expectation is that, hey, look, you don't need to go in on every little thing they're doing on a day-by-day basis, like some other teams in the NBA or some other teams in uh, Southern California. Like, that's not this year's team, you know? Uh, So what you want to do is you want to judge progress. You have a culture. How well are you upholding that culture? And you go from there. I mean, yeah, Kawhi might come back and elevate the ceiling. Kawhi might come back and not look like Kawhi. That's really uh, what's should be the main expectation, but that's that's where we're at with this year's team. So it's game to game, week by week. Are they progressing? Are guys getting more solidified in what their roles are? And will that amount to something come springtime? We got a lot of time in between the team that the Clippers are now and the team that we might see in the spring. And to bring up, or basically to elaborate on what you're saying, and the certain guys that you've seen improvement on. I mean, you look at Luke Kennard and what he's become as a player and the Clippers, of course, signed him to that contract and they saw what he was in Detroit and he was a sniper in Detroit and he's, he's become that guy. He's gotten the confidence. Then you look at Isaiah Hartenstein uh, and Hartenstein and the role that he has developed and become on this team. And Marcus Morris, who has looked very much like the Marcus Morris of New York with Paul George, on the shelf needing to carry that offensive load. So it seems like you do have guys that are growing and solidifying a role on this team. And you're kind of just waiting for PG and Kawhi to put everything together. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, Marcus Morris seniors had an interesting year. He wasn't a main participant in training camp. Didn't play in a single preseason game. Clippers of course, were mum about any concerns they had then. Yeah. He's he he starts the season and that was considered great news, but then he looks really bad for two games and he gets shut down for another month. Um and now it took him a week to get going after he came back for the second time in November. But he got going, man. He is playing better. He This is a stretch of basketball for Marcus. Better now than probably any stretch that we saw last season. I mean, we're talking, uh, I think he's already got, what, five 20-point games uh, this season, uh, just in the first few weeks of his real season. He's shooting the ball really well. He's doing a nice job creating shots. He's even rebounding, which my biggest gripe with having a power forward like Marcus is their participation on the glass and Marcus is Mark Marcus is not a great rebounder for a small forward, let alone power forward, but uh, 19 rebounds in the last two games, man, that's a far cry from his first two games of the season when he had one rebound and eight personal fouls in two games. Wow. Uh, Luke Kennard, a guy who got extended, he's on the same deal as Marcus four years, 64 mil. And Luke has been outstanding. 
it's not just the things that you know Luke is supposed to do, like, you know, shoot the damn ball. He's competing on the defensive end. He's competing on the glass. He's been a lot more decisive. And he still has room to grow. He's still, you know, I, I think that Luke can do even more damage in the mid-range and in the floater area of the paint. And he's a skilled player. And shout out to the Clippers front office for identifying, a, you know, that he was a player worthy of the contract that he's on. And shout out to the Clippers staff, the coaching staff, for basically telling him that he's got to step it up and be more aggressive. And shout out to Luke Kennard for addressing that and having the accountability to work on his game and to be a contributor of, on an every night basis. Uh, that's eight straight games for Kennard uh, entering Saturday night where he scored double figure points. So, yeah, you took those small wins. I think a lot of these individual players can be uh, happy about that. I think in the grand scheme of things, the Clippers are doing okay. But there's a there, there's a lot of room for improvement, both on the individual level as well as the collective level, especially offensively. Yeah, I talked about it earlier this season. That's kind of hard to figure out how to properly judge this team because – They've got guys that are all good players. I mean, Eric Bledsoe is a good player. Reggie Jackson is a good player. Zoo is a very good player as well. And all these guys are good players. And then you add in a PG, and this team is certainly capable of playing with the top teams in the NBA. But without PG, it's, you know, they're just, they're an average team. They're a six or a seven seed in the NBA. Um, in the Western Conference. So I find it hard to evaluate this team this season. It goes back to how we kind of started this podcast. When you say PG, I'm, I'm guessing you mean Kawhi because Paul, yeah, he's missed the last week. Yeah. But Paul's a part of this year's team oh, uh, for in sure. a way that Kawhi isn't. Oh, for sure. Well, no, I, I'm, I mean PG because right now he's hurt and, and they're still putting things together and putting together good games and they're competing with the Suns and the Jazz. I mean, you beat the Suns who, albeit were a little bit shorthanded, and then you end up competing with the Jazz for two and a half, three quarters before things got out of hand. And frankly, the PG thing worries me a little bit. Um, I'm curious, you have been there. How has he looked in practice and warmups? Because when he was scratched that day and they showed him before the game, barely able to kind of move his elbow properly, it was a little concerning. How has he looked recently? Well, Paul's been in great spirits relative to that. Paul doesn't uh, mope around like a guy who doesn't plan on playing basketball for uh, an extended period of time. Um, I think if this were the playoffs, then Paul would have been playing. So I'm actually not concerned about the injury keeping him from playing at all. I'm more concerned about what his shot looks like when he does get back. I mean, uh, since the they had a mini series in Minnesota, so not since the first Minnesota game, but since the second Minnesota game, he's been a sub 30% three point shooter, which is obviously a major, major issue. It means that he's needed time off. And obviously the quality of shots that Paul is getting this year uh, are a lot different than his year with doc and a lot different than last year when he had, you know, when him and Kawhi knew what they were doing. Um, not to say that him and Kawhi didn't know what they were doing. People forget that that doc team was pretty damn good. It was a number two seed in the Western area out loud. So, 
you know, people only look at that year as a bad year based off of what happened in the last three games of the semifinals against the Nuggets. But Paul was a damn good shooter that year. He damn good shooter last year. Um, he was a good shooter for the first three weeks of this season and fell off a cliff. So, again, I'm not worrying about Paul missing a bunch of time with this injury. I'm worrying about how he comes back. He, it looks like he's going to be wearing a shooting sleeve. I've never worn a shooting sleeve, but I hear they're, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm from Philly. I love shooting sleeves. Uh, shout out to Allen Iverson. But <laughs> that's what I'm going to be paying attention to. Um, Paul's mechanics are fine. Dude's shooting 88% from the free throw line. Yeah. Uh, I think that's close to a career high. Uh, and it's more just can he get comfortable shooting and making the type of threes that this team is going to ask him to shoot when he gets back? That's the big question. And that's a question that is not going to be answered the first night he gets back. If he plays in Oklahoma City and he makes five threes out of less than 10 attempts or whatever, don't over don't overdo it. It'll be encouraging, but it's about consistency. It's about re- repetition, back-to-back games. And in other words, we will know how Paul is progressing as far as managing this injury uh, probably for until mid-January. Well, that's positive uh, that you are saying that PG should be back soon, that he looks okay, because it, it certainly looked worrisome, and the fact that he was being ruled out um, a day in advance of a game was a little bit worrisome, but he is questionable going into the game on Saturday, so certainly positive. Uh, I want to take a quick turn for a second, and I want to talk about the NBA season at large, and we could have started the podcast with this, but as we are recording, Woj was tweeting out, um, that the NBA now is going to, I believe, have stricter protocols in place with the um, the number of cases picking up. And they're going to have increased testing, which is going to run from December 26th to January 8th. Mass will be required for players, coaches, and staff on the bench, in the locker, weight, and training rooms, and while traveling with the teams. What are your thoughts on the season right now? Because I'll, I'll tell you mine, and I want you to agree. I want you to disagree, and I know you won't be afraid to disagree if you do. I don't think a pause will do anything because it, it seems like you'll have players that you're not going to be able to quarantine them. They're going to go back to their families. They're going to be there for the holidays, and they're just going to come back, and all it takes is for one to come back and to have COVID and to continue to pass it around. So I don't think a pause will do anything. Do you think a pause will do anything? And does it make sense what's going on right now, continuing to play these games with all the cases that are occurring with a ton of different teams? Man, you talking about you talking to somebody who number one is in Oklahoma City right now, and number two has a whole flight booked to Sacramento, a team that half their damn team is in protocols right now. Mm-hmm. Like the anxiety of a reporter traveling. Oh, and I, and I got boosted a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, had the, had, had the effects and everything out the way simply because I was like, Oh, I got two days off from games. Let's get it done. Yeah. This is, you know, uh, as someone who didn't have to go to the bubble, as someone who was a whole editor, you know, I uh, wasn't covering any, any games for anybody when this started, you know, I was, supporting uh some of the best writers in the world while this was going down right so the anxiety is is through the roof just for someone covering it i can't imagine for someone who's got to play who's someone who's got to coach someone who's in the front office someone who's going to who's planning to go to vegas uh for the g league showcase or whatever it is next week like this is 
this is a it's a lot you know forget the logistics you know we're talking about human beings so um it's just a really tense uh situation you mentioned nicholas batum he's out of the protocols the clippers have not just this year but last year the clippers were one of the few teams that weren't hit by having a game rescheduled one of the few teams in the entire league that didn't have a single game rescheduled because of covid protocols either because of something on their team or something on another team at that point of the schedule. So this is, this is almost as uh, just nerve wracking as when we were first dealing with this uh, two winters ago. And so I don't think a pause is going to do anything, but for different reasons for a lot of people think it's like, look, if, unless you're going to put this in a bubble, we're not going anywhere with this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people are going to test positive and, and you just hope that the good thing about the vaccine and the booster is that you reduce your chances of severe illness. And heck, I had COVID three, three months ago. Great time to have it too, right before the season started. Oh, you know, I didn't miss anything. I, I sat during Labor Day weekend. That was it. So for me, it was just like, you know, I'm glad I was vaccinated when I, when I got it. And that's how a lot of these players are probably feeling. But there's so many questions, so much confusion, so much worry because you're thinking get vaccinated and you're fine. And of course, uh, we're seeing all these positive tests come up. Like all the, all, I, I like what the league is trying to do, and that is just trying to reinforce all the you know PPE, uh, social distancing, and We'll see. We'll see what that does. But I, if I if I had to make a prediction, I think it's going to be a really challenging winter, and that's just where we're at. I don't think the league or any of us want to see things shut completely down, and then for it to start back up and it not affect anything. So, do you think the games will just keep on going as scheduled, and then if we if there have to be a couple of postponements, there's a couple of postponements, and they'll figure it out later yeah. on. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't see I don't see the league shutting down. Uh, at this stage of the pandemic, uh, again, I, I really am thinking about the fact that there are so many other things they could do. You've seen a couple of arenas reduce capacity. Uh, again, like the league is the Players Association and the league, they're stepping up in terms of adjusting the protocols for players. I think everyone wants to just keep things going um, and and uh, go from there and see and see what happens there. Uh, but I'd, I'd actually be surprised if the entire league were to just stop playing just because of the logistical nightmare uh, that, that that will cause. Completely agree with you, by the way. Uh, I think it's just it's too difficult to try and figure out how you're going to make up those games. And you've got the whole schedule planned out. It's just too difficult. And so if you have to make up a couple of games here and there, you'll figure it out. And, and my only concern is, did they do this too late? Because... Sacramento is going to have more and more positives that are going to come out over the next couple of days. The Lakers, I would not be surprised if you saw a couple more positives come out of their camp in the next few days. So you just hope that that doesn't happen and that if it does happen, you've eliminated or you've stopped it at just a couple of teams and you don't have more and more teams that end up turning into what we've seen now with teams like the Bulls and teams like the Sacramento Kings and, and Charlotte Hornets. It, it's affected a lot of teams. So I'm just curious right. to get your take on that one. I do think the season will continue. So I'm glad that uh, you're on the same page as me on that one. 
when yeah not to say not to say you or or me are correct in, right in, in this of course that, that's the, and that, and that's the underlying thing we are just we don't know man uh that's the scariest part about being in a pandemic like you're you're not just battling um the reality of the uh of of, of the virus but you're battling disinformation you're battling people who for the for the start of this thing they've been trying to gaslight uh what this what what this is and um you know you still got people um who have made this just like it's clear they don't have the best interests of um they, they don't have the best interests of science and health and safety in mind so you know you just gotta um there are some things you can't control but the, but the things you can control you just have to do it to the best of your ability yeah for sure all right let's take a quick break we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use the code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night, score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. Okay, so Law, when you look at this team right now, and they won four in a row before that loss at Utah, and now you look at a schedule that has OKC, San Antonio, Sacramento, Denver, Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto, Brooklyn. And this was always the part of the schedule that when the schedule came out, you got a little worried. Of course, the first few games coming up now, of course, OKC, San Antonio, Sacramento, if they do happen, are not the most difficult games. But then Denver, Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto, Brooklyn, Phoenix, those teams are not easy where do you see the the Clippers stacking up against a team like Brooklyn and I mean Boston and Toronto? Who knows? And then of course with at Phoenix again, where should this team be? Should it be competing with a team like Brooklyn, or does it go back to where we started this pod about just you know just floating along and just getting through this season until hopefully Kawhi comes back? Look, the way I see the Clippers this year. They're good enough to beat any team in the league, and they're and they're suspect enough to lose to any team. <laughs> uh, and so, I don't really look at the schedule and look at oh, they're they're an easy match or they're they're a very difficult one. Mm-hmm. I mean, logistics can make a case for these games more than the teams on paper sometimes. Um, I look at that five and seven that you mentioned after Christmas that the Clippers have. And yeah, that's a really brutal five and seven. Those next games would be challenging enough if they were just in a vacuum. But both of those games are the second eyes of back backs. That next game on New Year's Day is the most bizarre piece of scheduling I've ever seen in the NBA. And full disclosure, I talked to the NBA schedule makers for one of my favorite offseason stories and brought that point up. So I'm saying that with my chest, you know, I've, I, this ain't just a pod or a tweet. I've written the story, so I hope y'all check it out. And just when you look uh, like those are going to be tough games because of logistics. 
We don't even know who the heck is going to be playing again. We're in a pandemic, so you never know, right? Like, you might mess around and KD might not be available. James Harden might not be available. Hell, he's not available now. You know, um, you just don't know. And when you understand that point, Brandon, then you just take all that other stuff out of it. Like, are they a great team? Are they a bad team? You take all that out of it and focus on how are you playing? That's the most important part of any regular season. How are you playing? Are you doing what you're supposed to do? Are you limiting turnovers? Are you maximizing transition opportunities? Are you assignment sound on defense? Do you have guys brought in? Uh, that's that's what I'm looking at. And so, yeah, when you look at that five and seven, that's hard. When you look at OKC Saturday, that's coming off of two days rest. You better take care of business, especially coming off of a loss. When you look at the Spurs, you're coming home. You better take care of business. You look at Sacramento, you've lost to that team twice already. You better take care of business. That's what you're looking at. Those are those are opportunities for the Clippers. And it's like it doesn't matter who plays in those games. You want to the guys who are playing is what matters and they need to take care of business. That's what you can control. Can you control the fact that you face the Nets twice on the second night to back to backs with the second one? being a five and seven trying to get out of customs from Canada the morning or, or the night before you can't control that, but you can control the fact that these other games, these are logistic matchups. They put you at an advantage and you got to take advantage of them. That's how I'll be judging the Clippers. Like we'll see what the games look like, but you know, going in uh, there's opportunities. The Clippers have shown that they can win the tough ones. They showed they can lose the easy ones. Law, I'm ready to run through a wall right now. That was an inspirational speech right there, and, and it got me fired up, man. That, that was outstanding, and total, like, I mean, you could give be in the locker room right now, just getting the team ready to go. That was that was impressive stuff, man. And my teammates from uh, my junior year would laugh at you. <laughs> Dude, that was great. That was great. And, and it's yeah, funny. I wasn't that, that wasn't that guy when I was actually in position to be that guy. No, you're a quiet guy? <laughs> I wasn't a quiet guy. I, I, I was uh, I was the type when, when my teens were I was I was a bit of the class clown until I had to actually be a captain. And I didn't uh, I didn't know what to say. I was definitely not the definitely wasn't giving any Rudy type speeches. And, and I wasn't trying to even really speech just now. That's just what the situation is. Listen. I guess the situation on my team was, hey, guys, I'm going to block shots. So. You know, and, and, and then I'm going to probably tell some weird joke afterwards. That's the kind of guy I was in high school. So, you know, I love my squad, though. Hey, you've come a long way, man. And you, you bring up that Brooklyn thing. And that has to be the strangest thing in the world. For people that didn't quite grasp what Law said, it's Sunday, December 26th, Denver at home, Monday, December 27th, Brooklyn at home, second night of a back-to-back. But more importantly... Friday, December 31st, New Year's Eve at Toronto, 4.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Saturday, January 1st at Brooklyn, 4.30 p.m. Pacific Time. I mean, these back-to-backs, not only having Brooklyn in general on your schedule, but having them the second night of a back-to-back, and like you said, the last one is going to be the seventh day with the fifth game being five games in seven days that and is, they'll be rested, mind you. The next, yeah. they play on Christmas, so they will watch from whatever hotel they'll be posted up at in LA. They'll watch the Clippers play the Nuggets, and then they'll go back to 
crypto.com arena uh the first first clippers game for a crypto.com arena they'll 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 come back that monday night later in the week that saturday in brooklyn the nets will have a couple days off and they will get to rest watch the clippers in toronto then host them so again the logistics are severe a severe disadvantage Deal with it. Ain't no excuse. You get to play a five on five game with the score tied at zero when it starts. Like you get the same 48 minutes. It's 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 challenge. It's going to be a challenge. Yeah. You're going to get the same respect if you win and you're going to get the same judgment if you lose. The context will obviously be uh, what matters. But like, let, let's, let's be real. Like, I'm not really big on chalking things up as a win or a loss before games start. Like, let the players play. Yeah, and like you said earlier, who the hell is going to be available? I mean, you truly have no idea who's going to be available for the Clippers. You have no idea who's going to be available for the opponent. So you can uh, look you, at Brooklyn. You might, you might not even have a 5-7. and seven. Yeah, I'm I mean. talking about it now. Exactly. I mean, you look at Brooklyn and James Harden's in protocols. I mean, who's to say that KD doesn't enter protocols at some point before these uh, two games against Brooklyn? So, you obviously don't wish that on anybody, but you don't know. It seems like it's going everywhere. So, really, who who does know? Uh, back to the Clippers. I, I think it's worth bringing up, and I think that we got to have a podcast. I and mean, if we have a podcast, you got to talk about BJ and what Boston has done for the Clippers. This has been a little bit of a revelation. He goes and scores nearly 50 points in a game, in a G League game, and then all of a sudden – he becomes a part of the Clippers rotation. You're a guy who knows the game of basketball well. What have you been impressed with when you've seen Boston Jr. on the floor for the Clippers? You know what I'm most impressed by, and this might be the only time you ever hear this from someone talking about Brandon Boston. Uh, and if they're not, you know, go ahead, check me. I love when he's not on the floor and the kid is just pumping everybody up uh and saying just the wildest shit like he's told reggie jackson that he's gotta be nicer to the ball you know <laughs> uh, happy, happy wife happy life you know what i'm saying kid just turned 20 last month and he's saying that to reggie jackson of all people who reggie is obviously a character in his own right you know uh how paul george keeps raving about how he keeps the whole team young um, he, he is just like, he has a youthful energy about him. And this started before he was even getting into games. He'll be the first to tell you that he's a bucket. Like he's, he, he's not the, uh, most verbose in terms of like saying what is going on out there. But at the same time, he is very much like with, he is mature beyond his years in a lot of ways. And then other times he lets you know straight up it's like wow this is crazy i'm actually doing all the things that i put work in to do i love that about him i love his play character i love his mentality i love the fact that he'll talk to a guy like marcus smart after getting a bucket on him um after getting a bucket on marcus smart like i can't stress that part enough so you know there's a lot of rough edges i mean people are like how did this guy go 51 and i agree but then there's like well, he went. He, Brandon's got a lot of growing still to do, you know. Uh, going into this game Saturday, I mean, he's he, he's definitely got to get back on track. He's missed 16 of his last 20 field goals over a three-game period. So that 27-point game followed up by 11 points in three games. Like that's what 
some rookies do, whether you're the fifth pick or the 51st pick. So uh, I just I, I love the fact that he is going to keep working and that he has this confidence in himself, but also has the maturity and the character to be coachable and to be approachable and to hype his guys up, whether he's got rotation minutes or whether, you know, he's only playing like, you know, like if Ty Lue has to pull him because he took a, took a bad shot or made a bad rotation. Um, that I, I think that's the most exciting part about Brandon is that he, he has a character of someone who you, you want to you want to see how he progresses with the talents that he has. And I think it's fair to say that before the season, Boston Jr., Keon Johnson, you weren't really expecting anything from these guys, and you weren't really expecting them to play very much, if at all, except for maybe in blowouts. And so, for- Well, the door was open. I, 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 want to, I want to put a pin in what you said there because yeah. what you're saying is interesting. Ty Lue is not a coach who is privy to coaching uh, young guys, rookies. Mm-hmm. He even made the joke before the Spurs game that, hey, he had a coach, uh, a younger team featuring Colin Sexton for the first six games in his last year in Cleveland. You saw how that turned out. Yeah. Like Ty was <laughs> Ty, Ty was in a position to make a joke about that now. So, um, But this front office basically cleared space on the roster so that young guys would have an opportunity to compete for playing time and to actually play. This isn't last year's team where that wasn't happening. And this isn't the years of the past where that wasn't happening. Uh, This year's team is actually set up for young guys to, if they show that they are worthy of the opportunity, that they're going to get that opportunity. If Jason Preston didn't get hurt, Jason Preston would be playing right now. Uh, I truly believe that. Uh, Keon Johnson, he's not even 20 yet. You talk about Brandon Boston's youth. Keon doesn't turn 20 until March. His time will come. Don't know how or when, but he's working. He's working, and I see the work that he's putting in. And there's a lot of depth chart climbing for that young man, but including with Brandon. Brandon's ahead of him, obviously. But they didn't pick a, a, a dud in Keon. Uh, and so this year's team... There's a reason Rajon Rondo and Patrick Beverly were cleared in the same trade to bring in a guy like Eric Bledsoe. Like those spots are opened up and it's, it's a, it's a meritocracy. You know, Isaiah Hartenstein is playing over Serge Ibaka because he earned it, not because of anything, you know, untoward. And that's, I think what you got to consider is, yeah, we might on paper been like, Oh, these guys aren't going to play, but um, like the door is open for them if they are ready to step through it. I think that is an important statement to make at this point of the year. For sure. But I also think it's fair that if Paul George and Nick Batum and Ibaka were healthy, then we may not be seeing those guys, but they're given the opportunity. Like you said, I mean, now the door is open because of the injuries and Batum being out because of COVID protocols. I mean, you've got those rotation spots open if those guys were healthy, most likely they're probably not getting in, right? That's that. That's one reason. But look at last year. Look at Daniel Oturu. Yeah. Second round pick who got some guaranteed money. The Clippers were down so many guys. Serge Bach was hurt. They were playing Patrick Patterson as a backup center for crying out loud. Uh, they hadn't yet put the 10-day on Boogie. Hell, they had fee. And then they traded fee for just cap space. Like, Last year's Clippers team is like, nah, they, it, if you were a young guy, you just weren't playing, you know? Yeah. This year's team, nah, it's different. The door's open. And 
like everyone has gotten a chance um, that like everyone's going to get a chance basically as long as they put the work in. I think that's that's the difference. I, I don't, again, like on the surface, people don't see it. Yeah, and what you just brought up is actually a point that I haven't heard when bringing up the Beverly Rondo and deal and bringing Bledsoe in is that it actually cleared a roster spot and a chance for a guy like BJ Boston to play. So I hadn't really heard that brought up a whole lot. So I'm glad you did. And and I'm glad that you challenged me on that. And that, you know, because you're right that now the opportunity is there and BJ's taking advantage of it. And he's obviously struggled from the field in those last couple of games, but he's shown that he certainly is able to play at this level, which is exactly what you want to see. And it gives confidence to the Clippers front office. Before I say goodbye to you, I need to ask you a question. Are you staying at the Haunted Hotel in Oklahoma City? Uh, I don't even know what the Haunted Hotel is. Okay, so, good. Uh, I wasn't sure if I would scare you or not, if you knew about it, but apparently... I, I've heard people talk about it. This is my first time ever in Oklahoma. Okay. So, uh, I I don't I don't know. I, <laughs> which one's the haunted one? I didn't go Google Haunted right. Hotel before I booked this thing. I'm not sure. You're probably not in it. It's the team hotel, and I'm assuming you're not in the team hotel. Um, yeah. So it's, I know Michael Thompson, when, whenever he talked about the Lakers, when they go on the road, he was scared shitless, I think, whenever they stayed at the hotel. There was some ghost that comes out at night and talks to you. Uh, so th- that's, that's apparently the extent of the haunted hotel, is that there's some person living, some ghost that talks to people, and it's, it's creepy. It's weird. Well, uh, now, now that you mention it, <laughs> I looked up Skirvin Hilton Hotel. And I'm not in it. Okay, good. Um, I'm I'm in a hotel very close to the arena, uh, so yeah, I'm not interested in it. See, I, I, if I were in a horror movie, I would I would either not be in the horror movie long uh, because <laughs> I would not be in the interesting parts, or I would be the star of the movie and I would be living at the end because I wouldn't do the dumb stuff that gets everybody else uh, locked off. So. That's yeah. So in other words, the type of behavior I have is I'm not looking for the haunted hotel to stay at in Oklahoma City. Yeah, no, me neither, man. I'm I'm right there with you. How's been? How's your experience been so far in Oklahoma? Because you know you you put the LA kid in Oklahoma, it's a little a little different. Well, I'm not a LA kid, so well uh, that that helps. Where are you from? (laughs) Where are you from? I'm from Philadelphia, man. I'm, I'm as I'm as far from an LA kid as you can get. Well, uh, I mean, I've lived here long enough now, yeah. twelve years. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, um, I can't. Oklahoma would probably be a culture shock, whatever coast I grew up on. Yeah, and in in terms of that, like I haven't been here long enough. I can't make no judgments. I haven't met nobody. I've had one meal here, and uh, DoorDash is uh, difficult. So uh, catch me at the end of the weekend. I think you're going to see the Thunder for the first time since, yeah, you are, since that game yesterday with uh, SGA having that ridiculous three and then losing. Um, yep. So that, that'll be fun. A, a little bit of uh, some interest going in is that them coming off that loss. That's got to be at least some Hey, all Thunder Clipper games are interesting. Uh, all of them are. Uh, they really are. Like this year, the – uh, one of the best comebacks of the season. The Clippers were staring at one and five, down double digits in the second half. And I mean that Paul George, 
the run that he went on was probably some of his best sequences, arguably his best sequences all year. Yeah. So that the Thunder gave us that moment. And by the way, uh, if you're a last two minute truther, then the Thunder have an absolute legitimate gripe about how that game ended. We're not going to go there since I am not that person. So uh, <laughs> I said if, and that I'm not going to wear that hat. Um, but I will say, I, I will say that you know you look at that. Um, you you look at the Thunder games even last year. Obviously, you had the weird one to end the season, but then they had many series in LA that. That was a moment for the Clippers right there. You know, Nicholas Batum playing on the same day that his new child was born. Like that was a big culture moment uh, for the team. And then, of course, the next game out, you look at Patrick Beverly get hurt. But also that was a seven game. It's a seven straight win. Uh, one of two seven game win streaks for the Clippers that season. Yeah. Uh, so um, and then this year that Oklahoma City Thunder win started a new seven game win streak. So um, I Look, Marcus Morris Sr., I know he's looking forward to winning uh, this game, but let me let me tell you, there's no, you know, no assumptions. I just said it earlier. You got to come and beat that team. Um, and so I'm very much looking forward to seeing what happens on that front. Yeah, it, it should be a fun game, and I love watching SGA play. So it'll be great to see the Clippers take on. The Thunder, a preview of that game and a little bit of Clippers talk with my buddy Law Murray at Law Murray, the NU on Twitter, his most recent articles telling you the feature on DJ Dents, not many features you see on the MC at an NBA arena, but Law did a nice deep dive there and a nice little recap of where the Clippers are and where they are going to be after that game against the Utah Jazz. Read him at The Athletic. Also, follow him on Twitter. Law, always appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thank you so much, Brandon, for having me. Big thank you once again to Law for hopping on. Really enjoyed that conversation. Folks, I got to tell you something. It is the season of giving. Happy holidays, but stop giving your personal information to your ISP on top of overcharging. Your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotion link at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, they still have the old name. To get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription. It's super easy. Turning it on takes just one click, and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass 2. Once more, that's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Grab those three bonus months now. All right, so coming up for the Clippers, they've got that game against Oklahoma City on Saturday, just a couple of days away, a game in which they should win. You heard Law and I, Law and I previewing the next couple of games, and they're winnable games. And, of course, we have no idea if these games happen because, you know, every single day it seems like a new team is coming down with COVID. So Oklahoma City on Saturday, San Antonio at home on Monday, and then Sacramento supposed to be at Sacramento on Wednesday, but they apparently have a bunch of guys entering protocols before a couple day break for Christmas and then back at it against Denver, Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto, and Brooklyn again, five games in seven days. Appreciate you guys giving me some patience here. Um, had some personal stuff over the last couple of weeks, but glad to be back at it and glad to have law with me because he is a guy that says it how it is and he challenged me a couple times and I loved it 
I love when someone is able to tell the truth and offer their point of view, and Law did just that. Hey, quickly, before we sign off, we want to also remind you all to use coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also, to check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use the code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. You can follow the Ethos Clippers podcast on Twitter. That is at Ethos Clippers, the Sports Ethos Los Angeles Clippers podcast hosted by yours truly. If you can rate and review the podcast, it will certainly help as well. Give us a nice review and give us a five-star rating. Until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus. Enjoy your holidays. Talk to you next time. This has been another presentation of the Ethos Clippers podcast.